Thank you, Jennifer, and to the team. Good morning, everyone. It is great to see you all here today. Uh, you know, as I begin, I want to remind you I really don't bite. And uh, I'm always wondering why these chairs are open. Uh, you know, this isn't a splash zone. You really can come and join me up front. You'll get the jokes first before anybody else. Uh, it'll definitely be worth your while moving up front. As Jennifer prayed, and as you heard, and as you've heard from me and from all of us over the last few weeks, today we are beginning a new series, uh, Rethinking Freedom. And I have been looking forward to this series for quite a while as we have been preparing, as we know what's coming, as we, as a pastoral team, kind of think through the series and plan ahead and try and coordinate the life groups. And, and so for those of you that are in life groups, uh, I'm anticipating some really great conversation for the next seven or eight weeks as we uh, try and figure out what is freedom all about. Uh, I'm not going to cover everything Today. Today is really just setting the scene, uh, just kind of laying your foundation, just giving us some groundwork uh, to, to kind of build on and to build from over the next couple of weeks. So there might be a few gaps today where you kind of go, oh, but what about that verse? And what about this? And, you know, he's in Galatians, but you know, all of these things. Yes, I know that. We will get there. Uh, just stick with us. It'll be a great ride as we go. You know, I don't know what you were doing on Monday, the 16th of March, 2020. I realize that might seem like a very random date for many of us. Uh, but the 16th of March, 2020, was the first day of spring break. The first Monday, I should say, of spring break in 2020. That Monday, our family was scheduled to go down to Chilliwack to get our biometrics done at the Service Canada office as part of our permanent residence application. And then once we had completed the biometrics at Service Canada and Chilliwack, we were then going to go all the way across to Horseshoe Bay, hop on a ferry, and hopefully end up at Keats. Uh, on Keats Island, where we would go for our annual spring break week away on Keats Island. But it was 2020, and someone had other ideas. Midnight between 2050, uh, the 15th of March and the 16th of March, we received an email from Service Canada that Service Canada would be closed indefinitely because that began two weeks to flatten the curve. That Monday was the start of two weeks to flatten the curve. Everything shut down. Nothing was going, to, going on. Nothing was happening. And little did we know all the way back then. I mean, I think back of two weeks to flatten the curve, and, and we first had a one-year anniversary of that, and then we had a two-year anniversary, uh, and, and we still don't even know if we really are out the woods just this yet. Uh, but we're hopeful. We're positive. We're, we're tentative. Uh, all I can say is if, if there are more shutdowns, if there are more kind of restrictions, I just really hope we don't have another toilet paper shortage. Man, that, that was crazy times. You know, these last two years have just been the weirdest thing, I, I think, for all of us. And for many of us, we've ended up feeling in one way or another like prisoners in our own homes. I think back to myself working from home, the early days of church online. Remember when we pre-recorded our services 
And the first few, man, we had a learning curve like this. I look back at some of those first ones and I, I kind of shudder to think, that's me? Oh my goodness. How you people stuck around for two years I, is the grace of God at work. Things were shut down. We couldn't see friends. We couldn't see families. Our care homes were, were locked down. Uh, we couldn't get in or out. We couldn't travel. There was no domestic or, or international travel. Uh, that was pretty much stopped for anything and everything that wasn't deemed necessary. And boy, you had to prove that it was necessary. Uh, through all of that, people felt like their freedom was being curtailed. People felt like their freedom was being taken away. Over the last couple of weeks especially, uh, we've kind of caught a glimpse of, of maybe that side of humanity. I'm not labeling people, but humanity. We've caught a glimpse of that side of humanity that we don't always like. As we've seen people try and fight for their freedoms. Even the word freedom now is becoming a loaded word. And when we use that word, we start to wonder, well, where do you align politically? What is your view of, of society? What is your view of the world? But even if we debate that, even if we argue over that, most of us at some point over the last two years have longed to experience greater freedom than what we were experience. Of course, nowadays, uh, if we throw in the news that we're seeing about wars taking place, uh, maybe even in the, in the natural world with things like floods and famines and earthquakes. Closer to home when we look at astronomical housing prices, rising interest rates and, and gas prices that just never seem to come down. And we sort of wonder what is going on? Why do we feel trapped? Why do we feel locked in? We want to experience freedom. The dictionary defines freedom as the state of being free or at liberty rather than confinement or under physical restraint. Freedom is the exemption from external control or interference or regulation. Freedom is the power to determine action without restraints. Freedom is personal liberty as opposed to bondage or slavery. I think almost all people desire some level of freedom. I know I do, and I'm pretty sure that you do as well. You know, this past January, our family finally got to get away. Like so many other people, and we finally got to get away on that family vacation. You know, packing suitcases, yes, wearing masks and, and all good things, but packing suitcases, heading to the airport, climbing on a plane, and even sitting on the plane as we were taxing on the runway. You know, Cindy and I were kind of going, are we really going to get out of this place? You know, are they, are they going to maybe just say this is all a joke and they're going to shut it down and lock us in confinement somewhere for the next 14 days? But no, we finally got away. But when I think about that and I kind of go, is that really freedom? Is that really the sum total of freedom just to get away, just to go out and do whatever I want to do, just to feel like there's no restraint? No, that is not freedom. In fact, Peter hints at this idea of freedom and how we, we get locked in. We think we're free, but we're really slaves. 
And Peter talks about this in 2 Peter chapter 2, where he says, they promise, these are people who've come into the church and they're infiltrating and, and they're not proclaiming the gospel, they're bringing bondage again. And Peter says, they promise freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Did you catch that? People are slaves to whatever has mastered them. And many of us think we live in freedom, yet we are slaves to that thing that has mastered us. There are others who think that freedom is some sort of entitlement. I can have what I want. I can do what I want uh, with seeming disregard to you. Uh, they fail to realize that my freedom has a, a boundary line. You know, it, it can't just keep going because it's going to trample you. There's, there's a place where we come together. And some people think, no, freedom is my entitlement. I get to have what I want. I get to do what I want. Uh, if I don't have it, well, you should provide it for me. And they live with the sense of entitlement and this freedom where they think they're even free from responsibility. Or, or even free from considerations of others or limitations or consequences. Can you imagine the chaos if everyone just did what they want? You know, I helped out at my kid's school on Friday and I, I had a class of grade six kids. I can tell you what chaos looks like. <laughs> but that pales in comparison. Could you imagine what the world would look like if everyone just did what they want with complete disregard to rules? If people decided, you know what, I don't care that this is a four-way stop, I'm gunning through it. I don't care if that light is red, I'm going through, you better watch out, I can do what I want. It would be chaos, it would be anarchy. There would be no freedom. There would be no real opportunity to be free and to grow and to be blessed and to benefit. And those who would think that would try and defend their actions claiming, well, I'm free. I can do what I want. I would argue, and I think Paul's going to do this for us as we get into Galatians, that true freedom actually exists within a framework. If I can use what seems to be a contradiction, freedom has limitations. There is a framework. And if we want to be truly free, we need to understand those limitations. We can see the metaphors in abundance on the sports fields. You know, as sportsmen and women are, are not free to do whatever they want, unless they're playing hockey. That just seems to have no rules whatsoever. <laughs> and everything else, there's, there's this restriction. There are guidelines. This is what gives freedom so that we can enjoy, so that we can experience. And so as we think about freedom, and particularly as we rethink freedom, I think we're going to find some incredible words to us from the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians. Just to give you a little bit of background about this book, and I'm not going to give everything in one go. We'll pick up little snippets as we go over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but it was during a, a previous mission trip when the Apostle Paul went out and he plants churches all through the region of Galatia. Uh, if you try to find Galatia on a map, it doesn't exist anymore. It's now what is known as modern-day Turkey. So that area, if you pull out Google Maps and you're trying to figure out, look up Turkey, boom, you've got the area of Galatia. 
And so Paul has proclaimed the gospel and he's planted these little churches along the way and, and he's proclaimed the gospel predominantly to Gentile people. Uh, so these are people who are not Jewish. They don't have a Jewish heritage, a Jewish history or background. And that fact is going to be important throughout this letter. But of course now, Paul is a missionary. Paul's an apostle. Paul is sent. Paul goes. And so he doesn't stay in Galatia, he doesn't hang around, and he, he moves out and he starts proclaiming the gospel elsewhere. And of course, word starts to get back to him about what's taking place in Galatia. And he hears that there's this faction of Judaizers who have come in and they've come into the church after him. And you might go, well, what is a Judaizer? And this was a faction within the Jewish Christian community that believed that the Levitical laws of the Old Testament were still binding even on Christians in Christ. And so they emphasized following the law, following that Levitical law. And so Paul writes back probably one of his fieriest letters. Uh, some of the language that Paul uses, I, I, just, I kind of think to myself, oh my goodness, how did you get away with saying that? You know, if I said what Paul said in the way he said it and made it contemporary for us, I'd be fired before I finished the sermon. And Paul writes this fiery letter to the church spread across Galatia. And he kind of gets angry. You know, he has this righteous indignation to say, who's, who's bewitched you? Who has led you astray? What is going on? And so today, as we contemplate all of this, I'm going to start in the very best place I can as we go through the book of Galatians, and I'm going to completely ignore Julie, Anderson, Julie Andrews' character in The Sound of Music when she said that start at the very beginning, because the very beginning is a good place to start. No. Today we're starting in chapter 5. And I realize some of you are going to go, really, Brian, we're doing a series through the book of Galatians, and you're starting at the end. Yes. Chapter 5 in the book of Galatians is the key summary of the whole letter. It sums up what Paul is getting at. In fact, even this morning, I'm not going to go through the whole thing in its entirety. I'm just looking at a few, but it's, I believe, the right place to start as we consider what is this thing called freedom. So if you have your Bibles with me, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 1. Uh, it will be up on the screen as well, but you're welcome to follow along. Galatians 5, reading from verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await a, by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. 
Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Now, this morning, I'm not going to go through everything of that passage. We are going to touch on some of that through the remainder of the series because there's so much in there that sums up all the other little bits. Today, as we rethink freedom, I want to use an illustration to help us understand what this thing freedom is. You know, I came up with my suitcase. And I know that when I brought up my suitcase, you probably thought to yourself, okay, it's the traveling metaphor. That's what Brian was talking about. You know, he started with going on holiday and, and people wanting to get away and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, yes, I could use that, but that's not how I'm using it today. Even though our series is titled in its entirety, Rethinking Freedom, today has a subheading. And if you are taking notes, today's subheading is Traveling Lightly. Traveling Lightly. The suitcase is a reminder and a metaphor for you and for myself that each one of us has baggage. We all have baggage. I know sometimes we talk about somebody else and we go, that person really has baggage. Well, the reality is we all have baggage. And the problem with our baggage is it's a little bit like a child returning home from a week-long summer camp. You know those ones where they even, they don't shower because mom's not there. The, the, the bag is filled with all sorts of random things, maybe some dirty old socks and, and some stones and bugs and whatnot. And, and so we all carry this, this bag, this baggage of ours. And, and, and the problem is we fill this bag that we go through life with all sorts of things that weigh us down. You know, we, we try and hide in our secret compartments of the bag and, and, and there's a bag within a bag and we're hiding kind of who we are. We don't want people to see, well, actually, if they knew just how proud or arrogant I was, well, they probably wouldn't like me. And so we try and hide that in the bag and it, it fills up the bag and it takes unnecessary space. And, and sure, we, you know, we keep our Bibles because we should have that in the bag. But, but there's other stuff in here as well. You know, we have, our, we have our fears that, that we carry and, and we hold them close. Isn't it amazing how people hold their fears so close to themselves? And so it, it weighs us down. And, and then we have, we have sin. And I know you're wondering, what on earth is it? I don't know whether I should be proud of this or, or not, um, but I received my sin certificate. And it's a, it's a certificate of merit for, for my sin. This is awarded to Brian Lowe. For completing the course of study and practicing sin, awarded with honors. <laughs> and it's signed by, by Screwtape, the head demon, and my very own mentor, Wormwood. Which means I'm winning, people. I have a sin certificate. Of course, I'm, I'm playing with that. 
But that's our bag. We, we all have this baggage. We're all carrying this stuff through our life. We're, we're carrying this garbage and it's weighing us down. And, and the thing about a bag, if you've ever actually gone traveling, is you put that on a scale and there's a limit. You know, if, if it's too heavy, you've got to take some stuff out. I think in life we don't realize that our bags are so heavy with just stuff that should not be in there. And this, this luggage is weighing us down. And, and so as we come to Christ, Jesus says, I don't want you carrying that. I want you to learn to, to live lightly or travel lightly. I, I want you to learn to get rid of the stuff. And in fact, let me help you. Let me take that away. Let me deal with that and get rid of it for you. We need to learn to empty in order to travel light. But how do we do that? Well, Paul sums it up for us in Galatians chapter 5. Because the first thing Paul does in that chapter is Paul says, Hey, why don't you consider the source of your freedom? You know, many of us, we think we're the source of our freedom. Or, or there's some other external thing that if we just change that, we would be free. And the apostle Paul goes, No. The source of our freedom is found in Jesus Christ. That's what he says in, in verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is Christ. That's what we remembered last week as we gathered around the time of Easter, as we gathered on Good Friday and shared in communion. We remind ourselves that he alone paid the price. Our freedom isn't purchased by what we give. Our freedom isn't purchased by what we do. Our freedom isn't purchased by whether we're good enough or even if we promise to do the right thing. Our freedom is solely and exclusively bought for us by Jesus Christ. It is only found in him. And so Paul says it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And through the, the next couple of weeks, as we journey through the book of Galatians, we're going to see Christ sets us free from all sorts of things that, that wrap us up, that enslave us, that chain us. We're going to find freedom from the bondage of law and legalism. We're, we're going to find freedom from licentiousness or the license to do whatever we want. We're going to find freedom from fear. We're going to find freedom from self-reliance and, and a whole number of other topics that we all struggle with. But the foundation for all of that freedom is Jesus Christ. Christ alone is the source of our freedom. In fact, the Bible makes this clear for us that freedom comes from Jesus. We read this in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, we read, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a child belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
What Jesus is saying to those Jews at that place is, if I, if Jesus, myself, when I set you free, you're no longer a slave who has no right of the family. You become adopted into this family. And just as a child has freedom in the home, so you will be free. Everything has a source. Even our freedom has a source. That source is Jesus Christ. But even as Paul invites us to consider this source of freedom within Jesus Christ, Paul also invites us to consider the sort of freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. So not only the source of freedom, but the sort of freedom. Far too many of us think that freedom is purely self-centered. It's all about me. As long as I don't have restrictions, as long as I don't have limitations, I'm free. And I have to remind you, that's really a relatively new concept. Uh, Certainly within biblical times, this idea of personal autonomy did not exist. You weren't your own person free to do whatever you wanted to do. You were part of a family. And that family was part of a community. So everything and anything you did had influence and had an impact on that community. Yet for us... We think freedom is all about me. That's not the sort of freedom Christ gives to us. In fact, in verse 1 and 2 of Galatians 5, we've just read, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value or no value to you at all. And now what's Paul getting at there? Well, as we kind of consider life, yes, there are all sorts of freedom. Education frees us from ignorance. Good rest frees us from exhaustion. Sacrifices of perhaps the farmers and and the efforts of those who grow crops and, and the food we eat, they free us to eat. Yet when we read through and what Paul is saying here is the freedom Christ gives us isn't some sort of political freedom. It isn't some sort of philosophical freedom. It isn't some temporal freedom. No, this sort of freedom that Christ gives us is true, lasting, permanent freedom, regardless of what's going on around us. I love what David Foster Wallace said in a, a commencement college speech. He said, there are different kinds of freedom. And the kind that is most precious You will not hear much talk about, much in the great outside world, of wanting and achieving. The really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline, and being able truly to care about other people and to sacrifice for them over and over in a myriad of petty, unsexy ways every day. Yes, that's the word he used. That's what freedom is. Freedom isn't this great big thing to do whatever I want without any hindrance. No. Freedom is the the freedom to be attentive to the needs of people around me. To sacrifice my own wants. To lay down my own desires. To serve and to give for the sake of others. And of course, that, that should make sense to us because Christ not only gives us freedom... Christ models freedom because this was Christ's life. Christ himself said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. 
So rather than being a slave, as Paul says, to sin and to self and, and to our own desires and wants, become a slave to Christ. That's the sort of freedom that lasts. The freedom to serve. The freedom to give. Jesus models this for us. He gives it to us. And Paul says in Romans chapter 8, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And the law of sin and death is quite simple. If we live in sin, we are earning in sin and we are paid the wages of sin. And that should trigger our minds to what Paul says in Romans chapter 6 verse 23. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. This is the sort of freedom we have. Eternal freedom within Christ. Now that doesn't mean we don't ever sin. My bag has a certificate of sin. I'm sure if I sat down with you, we'd find some sin in your bag as well. But that's not the point. We're not trying to compete with one another. We all do it. Yet Christ says, I set you free from that. I will take that and I will deal with it. So yes, Paul says, consider the source of freedom. It's in Jesus Christ. Consider the source of that eternal, limitless, endless freedom to serve. And then Paul closes off, consider the selflessness of freedom. Consider the selflessness of freedom. In fact, both Paul and Peter echo the life and teaching of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, we stopped at verse 12, but in verse 13, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Peter follows this up in 1 Peter chapter 2, and he says, Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. We kind of look at that and go, that's a bit of an oxymoron. You've just told us to be free, but now to be a slave. Yes, that is the tension. You and I will try and live free. And many people in the world try and live free apart from God. And over and over and over, they find themselves ensnared. It is only when we learn to live as slaves of Christ where we live uh, selfless lives instead of selfish lives, that's when we discover freedom. Freedom selfishly used is, is dangerous and destructive. It recognizes no will but its own. It seeks no good but its own. It has no interests but its own. It serves no purpose but its own. And both Paul and Peter have said, in effect, use your freedom selflessly, regarding the needs of others, loving, helping, serving them. And never let freedom make you think you can live without restraint, nor let it be an excuse for wrongdoing. True freedom is experienced and known when we move from that self-centered attitude towards others-centered. When we build on the foundation that Christ has laid for us. When we build on the foundation that Christ has bought for us because Christ has bought our freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. 
And as we go through over these next few weeks, I know many of you are going to be challenged. And we're going to deal with some topics where we wrestle with. And you're going to go, but Brian, you don't understand. I can't just let go of that or I can't give that up. I'm locked in. I'm stuck. I'm enslaved. And it's like I'm walking around with my certificate of merit. And my merit's even better than yours. It's got a gold star. And Paul would say, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. This no longer has a hold of you. So rather than keep this in your baggage, learn to travel lightly. And if you don't believe that, why don't you hear what Jesus said? And Jesus, when speaking to the crowds and, and indeed to his disciples in Matthew chapter 11, and I love this translation from the message translation. Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. My brothers and sisters, friends, I don't know where you are in your journey with Christ. I don't know what's in your bag. But I know there's some garbage in there that is weighing you down. And it is my prayer that today would mark that day that you learn to discover freedom. And as we journey for the next few weeks, that you would learn what it means to actually take the, the rubbish out and replace it with the freedom that Christ brings. May we discover true and lasting freedom that transforms our lives in Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we contemplate life, as we contemplate freedom, I know that each one of us wants to live with freedom. We want to experience freedom. We, we want to live free from restraint and, and those things that shackle us and bind us. Those things that enslave us, those things that make us seem like we're in a, a prison of sorts. And God, I know those images are are visceral and, and triggering for us. Yet, Lord, your word reminds us that we can find freedom. Freedom isn't some political expression. Freedom isn't the right to do what you want to do when you want to do it. Freedom isn't the right to not have other people tell you what to do. True and lasting freedom, eternal freedom, is found in Jesus Christ alone. And Jesus, you have bought eternal freedom for us. We reflected on that last week during Easter when we reminded ourselves of your death and your resurrection, where you paid for sin and you showed that you can offer eternal life. And Lord, as we receive that freedom, we're reminded that we still struggle on a daily basis we struggle with the baggage. We struggle with those things we've hidden away in our hearts. Fear, pride, anger, lust, jealousy, rage. 
bitterness. God, we have these sins in our hearts. And we wrestle. And yes, we know you have paid the price once and for all. But we still struggle on a daily basis. And I pray, God, that for each one of us, you would help us as we read from this incredible letter of Paul to the churches across Galatia. God, that as we read this letter, we would find true and lasting freedom. And may this freedom not just be something that fills our heads with knowledge, but may we learn to walk in freedom as we learn to walk in Christ, serving and giving and sacrificing. Father, we pray this in the name of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. And together we say, Amen.